Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Everybody to fantasy football today, DFS. My name is Sia Najad. This is the solo pod. We do it every single Tuesday at five o'clock. And then on Thursday, of course, it's me and Mike McClure to do the game by game preview. For those of you that are new, what do we do today? Well, we recap our tw- uh, week 12 lineups uh, in this case, and then we're going to end up looking forward to week 13. We're going to look at my cash lineup, my GPP lineup. We're going to look at Mike McClure's GPP lineup, and we're going to look at the lineup of our winner. For our Sunday contest, and his or her name is Sway31, SWA31. I do want to mention, though, we had a Thursday slate, right? We had the Thanksgiving slate, and we didn't really get a chance to congratulate that person. So this is our chance right now. So Daily Vibes, that's the person, that's the username of the person on DraftKings who took down our FFT DFS Thanksgiving tournament. So big congratulations to Daily Vibes. Um, We're not going to go over your lineup today we're just going to do um swa31's lineup who won our sunday contest but everybody our new contest for week 13 well it's it's live already we basically filled i think we filled up both of our contests so congratulations to all of our listeners for kind of staying on that we appreciate you filling up that contest so for week 13 it's live right now but i I don't think we need to do much else except for me to tell everybody that's watching please go ahead and hit the like button if you haven't already reviewed this podcast please go ahead and do that I'm really eager to get to our early look because you guys know, you guys and girls know, uh, I love doing the early look. I absolutely love it. This week is so interesting because we have so many issues as it pertains particularly to the running back position and injuries and injuries that we think are happening and injuries that we're not sure about, even at the quarterback and receiver position. Like Aaron Rodgers, he says he's going to play. Like, is is he really going to play? Are they going to roll out Jordan Love? There's so many implications to this slate, but that doesn't mean we can't take an early look. So I do want to also mention, we're going to have a special guest that's going to take that early look with us. So wait for that in about 15 minutes when we get there. We're going to have a special guest breaking down the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, the running backs, and the tight ends with us. But without further ado, Let's go ahead and uh, look at our week 12 lineups. Let's throw up my cash lineup uh, just just right off the bat. And we see here this one cashed. So, you know, pretty happy about this result. As you can see here, for those of you that are watching, again, this is a live show that we do on YouTube Tuesday and Thursday. So try to watch us live because what we do, we pull up game logs when we're doing our early look, when we do our game-by-game preview. We're looking at stats. We've got Frank and Zach just pulling up all kinds of things for us. But if you're listening, let me just tell you what my cash lineup was. It was Justin Herbert at quarterback, Jeff Wilson at running back, Rashad White, Tyler Lockett, T. Higgins, Nico Collins, 
Mark Andrews, Latavius Murray, and Chiefs defense. No surprises here. And, and again, this is why I still think there's an edge in, in playing cash. This isn't a super impressive score. It's only 147.26, but it got there because of some obvious plays. Listen, Jeff Wilson didn't get there for us. Looks like he had some sort of cramping issue. It didn't really hurt us that Jeff Wilson didn't get there, right? Because he's 95% owned. I mean, that's a staggering number. I haven't, I haven't seen a number that high. So in this particular double up, he was 95% owned. Rashad White, 91% owned. So those guys really ended up not mattering when it came to cash games. They, they could have crashed and burned, and, and the whole field would have crashed and burned with me. Latavius Murray, you know, slightly like, much, much lower ownership, actually, there at just 7.8%, which is pretty surprising there. Uh, Justin Herbert, I thought, was a really good play for cash because we knew the passing volume was going to be there. Tyler Lockett, no mysteries there. We knew it was going to be a concentrated target share between Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. T. Higgins, not a big mystery there with Jamar Chase not playing. You figure against an exposed Tennessee secondary that T. Higgins was probably going to get there. And you all knew how much I liked Nico Collins at 4,100. I, I talked about him plenty, and frankly, he didn't do nearly as, as well as I thought. I thought Kyle Allen would be an upgrade for this offense, and it looked like a little bit more of Davis Mills, frankly. And I don't blame the quarterbacks there as much as the offensive line and the team in general, but Nico didn't really get there, but that's okay. He had a, he certainly had a decent game. And then Mark Andrews didn't get there. But listen, I spent 6500 on a tight end here, and he was pretty bad. I mean, ironically, it was Josh Oliver that was getting a lot of the high-end touches. Mark Andrews actually dropped a touchdown that he'd catch 99% of the time. But again, this is why cash is so valuable. I, I, I say the word valuable literally and figuratively. It is literally so valuable because I you're looking at it. I have $100. And I had Mark Andrews in my lineup. I had Tyler Lockett, who really didn't do me any favors. I had Jeff Wilson, who certainly didn't do me any favors. The Chiefs D, another, another chalky play at 81% ownership. Like, so there, there wasn't much I had to do here. The only, the only thing I did that maybe some other people might not have done is play Justin Herbert, T. Higgins, and Nico Collins. I mean, Tyler Lockett wasn't highly owned, but I mean that to me that that was a that was a pretty easy play at pretty soft pricing. I could have could have swapped out Tyler Lockett for Keenan Allen and had a stack there. But again, it's cash games. I don't necessarily need to do that. So I don't think there's anything special about this lineup at all. And yet, I have a hundred dollars in my bank account because I played this lineup. If I play this in a tournament, guess what? It it, it probably doesn't cash depending on the tournament I select. And if it does, it's a min cash. So I'm entering a tournament for whatever fifteen bucks or. 50 bucks and you know I'm I'm maybe maybe getting um you know my money back and that's okay but here I actually doubled up my money so it's just a pretty easy dynamic pretty easy to understand why cash lineups even in week 12 week 13 can still be really important for your bankroll let's take a look at uh, Mike's GPP lineup Mike also I think Mike cashed yeah he put up 141.40 points um, he has Derek Carr to Devontae Adams and Foster Moreau. So, again, this is a GPP lineup. It's highly correlated like you'd expect. We knew that Derek Carr was going to be Mike's favorite quarterback because he does his top three on Thursday, and Derek Carr was number one of those three quarterbacks. At 3.5% ownership, this is part of the reason he played him here, right? Like Derek Carr at 3.5% owner, ownership in a shootout at 5,700. It's a pretty easy play if – Derek Carr and Devontae Adams get there. Derek Carr kind of got there, but Devontae Adams had a very underwhelming game. Foster Moreau had an okay game, but it should have been way better. Foster Moreau had a case of the drops just like Mark Andrews did, and that, that game could have been and should have been way better. So his lineup, his GPP lineup, Derek Carr, Michael Carter, 
Rashad White, Devontae Adams, Tyler Lockett, T. Higgins, Foster Moreau, Jeff Wilson Jr., and the Chiefs defense. So which chalk does he play? He takes the Rashad White. He takes the Jeff Wilson chalk. Otherwise, he's not really chalky here. You know, Devontae Adams, yeah, that is a little chalky, just under 20%, and T. Higgins at 25%. But he's getting different because he's getting Derek Carr with two pass catchers. He's getting different because Tyler Lockett isn't, isn't highly owned here. Foster Moreau, not highly owned here. So this is a lineup that certainly had a ton. Oh, by the way, Derek Carr, 3.5% ownership. So, I mean, I think that's the key here where so many other people are playing like Geno Smith, which is fine. I like Geno Smith too, or even Justin Herbert. Like all of those quarterbacks that people were playing were way higher owned than Derek Carr. So that's sort of the key to this lineup. I'm surprised Michael Carter ended up being 23% owned, even with James Robinson being inactive. That's an interesting one. But again, this lineup doesn't get there, but it really truly doesn't get there because Devontae Adams had a very underwhelming game. Seven receptions for 74 yards for any other receiver. That's that's okay, but he doesn't get into the end zone. No long, you know, breakaway runs like we saw the week before against Patrick Sertain and the and the Denver Broncos. So this lineup certainly gets there if Devontae Adams has a better game. Otherwise, I think this is a fine lineup. It must have just missed the pay line in this tournament. So I think we can move on from that. I think Michael Carter was really what sunk him because not only did Michael Carter end up being really chalky. And the reason I think it's so interesting that he was chalky is because there were so many running backs in that range. You know, Michael Carter was 5,400, but like I'm just going off the top of my head here. We had Latavius at, at 5,000. We had Rashad White at 5,100, which, which of course he, he played. But then we had Isaiah Pacheco at 5,500. You could have maybe made an argument to go Antonio Gibson at 5,400. There was a lot of different sort of chalky plays to play in that five to 5.5 K range. And I'm just surprised so many people landed on Michael Carter. I think if Mike had realized that Michael Carter was going to be, let's say higher than 15%, there's no chance he plays him. I think that was a lot of people Sunday morning, just rushing to Michael Carter, knowing that James Robinson uh, was hurt against a Bears defense that can absolutely get exposed. And we know Michael Carter is sort of the check down guy for Mike White. In this particular case, it didn't work out that way because Mike White was just slinging it downfield like Joe Montana. But um, that's part of the reason this, this lineup didn't get there. Let's move on to my GPP lineup. I should mention, because we are going to get to the FF, FFT DFS winner, um, Frank finished 15th in that FFT DFS contest, and I ended up finishing 17th. I was going to showcase that 17th place lineup, but I just figured I'd put up a different lineup because the 17th place lineup that I put in the FFT DFS contest was very similar to my cash lineup with a couple very small changes. So this is my GPP lineup. Um, this first name, Geno Smith, might look familiar to you because I told you that was going to be, this is going to be my favorite game. This is going to be my favorite stack. So Geno Smith, 15.8% ownership. That's pretty high, um, higher than I'd want it to be, but that was certainly expected. I knew Geno Smith at 6,000 was going to command some ownership. Jeff Wilson and Rashad White, two more chalky plays. So, so far, not the best tournament lineup. Uh, Devontae Adams, 19.3%. He didn't do many favors. Tyler Lockett, only 10%, I think, is pretty tremendous value. I think Tyler Lockett should have been closer to 16, 17, 18%. So I felt like I got uh, a discount there. Josh Palmer, 19%, a little more chalky than I anticipated. Um, Foster Moreau, 11%. James Conner was sort of the key for me at, at 10%. I'm surprised he even got that high because at 6,600, I think people were just really shy to play him, A, because he's James Conner, but B, because 6,600 didn't fit into a lot of builds when you could have gone to so many different chalky low-end running backs or low price running backs, or you could go to running backs like Travis Etienne 
or you know somebody more expensive than James Conner. So I thought he was kind of in a squeeze spot there. So I ended up coming onto him in some some of my tournament lineups. Just you know, James Conner's on a bye this week, but please remember it is the James Conner show for Arizona. There is no backup running back. I mean, Keontae Ingram is a guy who comes in when James Conner is tired. James Conner is going to get the lion's share of the receiving work in the backfield, and he's going to get the lion's share of the rushing work, and that's not going to change after the bye. So keep your eyes on James Conner for sure. Even though this is a lost season for Arizona, don't forget James Conner missed a few games in the middle of the season. He is fresh, and he is a guy that Kyler Murray is definitely going to be leaning on. So I uh, love that play. And then I went with the chalky defense. So, you know, this isn't the best tournament lineup. I, I didn't think James Conner was going to be um, 10%, although 10% is low. I, did, I thought he was going to be a little bit more contrarian than that. And um, as far as Josh Palmer is concerned, I thought he'd be a little less owned than that as well. But lineup certainly could have worked out. I needed the Devontae Adams piece there. Um, what I really needed was Josh Jacobs, obviously, but um, that didn't work out. You know, it's funny when somebody pops up with a cap strain, strain and they get downgraded on Friday, the last thing you expect is for them to play a full complement of snaps on Sunday. And then the next last thing you expect is for him, for that person to have over 300 total yards and, and house one in overtime. So I think Josh Jacobs ended up being a key to a lot of winning lineups if you had the courage to put him in your lineup after knowing that he was questionable with a calf strain just you know 36 hours before the game started so that is my gpp lineup we before we get to our early look we can finally check out this um fft dfs winner swa 31 okay so this is a lineup where 186.46 points on this slate that's that's quite good again me and frank finished pretty high in this contest as well but not this high we didn't make the big bucks here, $125 and change for SWA 31. Herbert to Eckler. So this is cool because this is something we talked about. I know I, I mentioned it, I think, on the Tuesday solo pod. And I think I kind of got away from it on Thursday because I didn't want to pay the price tag here. I didn't want to pay $7,000 to $8,500. Uh, but that every single week, this is a good play including this week coming up. We'll take our early look in a second. Justin Herbert to Austin Eckler is always going to be a good play unless somebody gets injured. So love this play. That's a collective 53 points um, just on Justin Herbert and Austin Eckler, which again, 53 points on this slate. Uh, pretty great from, from just two guys. Latavius Murray, chalk at running back, but not too chalky, under 20%. DeAndre Hopkins. I'm surprised he didn't completely go off, but 39% owned in our contest. That kind of makes sense. Chris Godwin at 4.8%. I think that's the key. That's one of the keys to this lineup. The value on Chris Godwin was great. I think the reason why some people might have switched off Chris Godwin, for one, they were more inclined to play Rashad White. And they I don't think they thought, well, I don't want to play both of them. I want to pick between the two. But also we had some weather concerns, but we talked about it on Thursday. And I know Mike addressed this specifically. The weather concerns we're going to deflate our our desire to play Mike Evans specifically, not Chris Godwin. Chris Godwin was very much in play on our Thursday game-by-game game breakdown. I can understand why you might just want to get one piece from that game and play Rashad White, but Chris Godwin was the play, right? Because he's going to get those short area passes. He's been a target monster, 110 receiving yards, 12 receptions. I mean, I think with Godwin, especially with this offensive line not holding up, I think you can bank on very easy, down the middle of the field, quick targets to Chris Godwin on a very routine basis. So getting Chris Godwin at 32 points and under 5% ownership is just such a beautiful play. Garrett Wilson, another beautiful play at 4,300. I think the problem 
that people had with getting on to Garrett Wilson, it wasn't the unknown of Mike White. I think it might have been the unknown of just well, how many people can survive this Mike White experience. You know, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, Michael Carter, like who is going to get all of these these targets. So I, I I think that's why Garrett Wilson's ownership, even at 4,300 was sub 10%. Another really smart play, David Njoku, who made a brilliant catch at the end of the game. He always has upside. I think he kind of has a low floor too, but you know, these days the floor might be pretty good considering some of the other tight ends we have to choose from. So Njoku with 13 points and then Rashad White with 20 points. So just to recap this lineup, it's Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, Latavius Murray, DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Godwin, Garrett Wilson, David Njoku, Rashad White, Chiefs defense. So he ended up playing two of the three or four chalky, low-priced running backs, but he really got there by picking the right receivers, getting the right value from the receiver position, and making sure he got the stack he wanted, which was Justin Herbert to Austin Eckler. So really, really great lineup from SWA 31. Um, I, I, I don't... I, I just, there's nothing to argue with here. This is really good evidence of how you can play some of the chalk, like Latavius and Rashad White. Even in a bigger tournament, this would have been a really good score. Like, let, let's be clear here, this is only a 200-person tournament, but he could have played this in a 1,000-person tournament, and it would have been a really great lineup, even with a, a, just a couple of chalky guys in Rashad White and DeAndre Hopkins and Latavius Murray. Otherwise, all these guys are sub-10%, other than the Chiefs' defense, obviously. So a uh, really, really, really good lineup. Um, I'm excited to find some of this receiver and running back value, perhaps that not everybody is on this week as well, just like uh, SWA 31 did. Um, to that end, we are going to take our early look. But before we do that, we're going to hear a break from our partners. If you're looking for a podcast adventure, check out Dumb Dumbs and Dragons, a podcast where improvisers and comedians who've never role-played before journey into the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons has been featured on the official Dungeons and Dragons podcast, ranked number two of all fiction podcasts in America, and has been downloaded more than four million times. Dumb Dumbs and Dragons can be discovered anywhere hilarious podcasts can be found. It's like Lord of the Rings, if everyone was an idiot. The hit Paramount Plus original docuseries returns. The last time I saw Max, he looked at us laughing, and then everything changed in a blink of an eye. My feeling as a detective is that he was murdered. Yahoo Entertainment calls it a spine-chilling docuseries, showcasing real-life tragedies. What if it was your child who went missing? We need to know the truth. Never seen again. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. We are back. This is Fantasy Football Today DFS. This is the solo pod. This is the pod we do on Tuesdays, except today we're not necessarily going solo. I'm going to have a guest on right now, in, in just a minute to uh, talk some quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end for week 13. But before I bring Elijah on, his name is Elijah Lipkin, I do want to set this up because I don't think any of you w- would know, at least who watched this show, would know who Elijah is. So back in early September, For those of you that don't know, I mean, listen, if you watch Fantasy Football Today DFS, there's a pretty good chance you follow Fantasy Football Today as well. And you should because all of those guys, everybody, Adam, uh, I'm going to forget somebody uh, naturally, Adam, uh, Chris Towers, uh, Jamie, Heath, Dave, of course, there's so many in, in sort of the Fantasy Football Today orbit. Part of what makes Fantasy Football Today so special, in my opinion is they're not just great at fantasy, and and I'd like to include myself under that umbrella too. We're not just great at fantasy, but we try to give back a lot too. And for those of you that hadn't noticed, when it's draft season, CBS Sports and Fantasy Football Today, they do their draft-a-thon. 
And it's a really big deal. And it raises thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars for St. Jude, uh, a very incredible, incredible cause that I think everybody is very familiar with. Well, part of that draft-a-thon is, you know, we auction certain things off. And one of those things that we auction off, and this is something I want everybody listening to look for next draft season, because we're going to do the same thing next year for this show. And and for fantasy football today, they're going to do their own sort of auctioning off a, a spot on the show and, and auctioning off signed jerseys and, and like really cool stuff that, that all those donations go to St. Jude. But one of the things that we did was auction off um, just a, a spot to come on the show. And to get that spot, you would have had to been the highest bidder to bid uh, for a spot uh, for on the show, but highest bidder to donate to St. Jude. And that's what Elijah Lipkin did. And Elijah is a follower of this show. And is big into fantasy football and baseball and all of that stuff. And uh, we can bring him on now because Elijah, I, I want to bring you on to thank you. First of all, I hope those of you that are watching on YouTube, please hit the like button. If you haven't already, um, if not for Elijah and myself for St. Jude as well, because Elijah, we really appreciate your donation to St. Jude. How are you today? Thank you. I'm doing really well. Um, a shout out. I have to give to my dad, Glenn. He is the one who bid on it and he gave it to me as like an early Hanukkah gift. We, do every week like we both listen to the podcast and then we spend like 20 30 minutes on the phone picking out our lineups getting stuff ready we're in the podcast competition every week on DraftKings, so we're really big fans of the show and happy to be here that's awesome so so i can properly shout out your dad that would be glenn lipkin yes, correct that is correct all right glenn well thank you for being part of this experience thank you for being part of this show as well. Great podcast coming up, says Glenn. That's awesome. Thank you for watching, sir. Uh, and by the way, for those of you that are in the chat, I, forgive me, I'll, I'll get to the questions if you have any, um, especially DFS-related questions uh, at the end of the show. Maybe I'll get into those with Elijah as well. Elijah, before we get into, you know how we, know how we do this, of course, yeah. before we get into QB and, and running back and all the positions, I do want to just mention to everybody, we do have two teams on a bye this week, and it's the Cardinals and the Panthers. Uh, we have some high totals. I usually like to discuss some of the high totals, and you can kind of decipher what the high implied totals are from some of these as well. But I'll just throw a few games out here just to kind of set the table before we get to quarterback. Uh, we got the Browns at the Texans. Again, that's a game that has a lot of intrigue sort of off the field as well with Deshaun Watson coming back, playing his old team, but Deshaun Watson coming back. That's a 47-point total, and it's a seven-point spread. Obviously, the Browns being favored at Houston in that one. The Jaguars at the Lions, I think that's an interesting game for a couple different reasons. It's a 51.5-point total. We, we're starting to see Trevor Lawrence maybe assert himself a little bit more in the passing game. So I think he becomes, and Elijah, we'll get into this in a second, I think he becomes kind of a, a, a more interesting DFS play than maybe he has been over the last four or five weeks, especially at Detroit. Don't forget, weather sometimes is a concern when we get to this part of the year. So these curated environments and these dome atmospheres are certainly uh, super helpful for totals. Dolphins at the Niners, that's a 46.5 point total Three and a half point spread. There might be some rain and light wind in that game. Something to monitor. Chiefs at Bengals. People are going to be all over this one, Elijah, right? Chiefs at Bengals is a 52 and a half point total. It's a two point spread. So it should be a tight game. Fireworks on both sides, presumably. And then finally, we're back to the Chargers and Raiders. I mean, that I'll tell you right now, this is probably my favorite game. And, and, and I'm, it's only Tuesday. Chargers at Raiders is a 50 and a half point total and a, and a two and a half point spread. Elijah, before we get to quarterbacks, any of those games stick out to you? Maybe maybe two games that stick out to you, and I'll just recap them real quick. Browns at, and I, I just took forty-seven and above in terms of game totals. Browns at Texans, Jags at Lions, Dolphins at Niners, Chiefs at Bengals, Chargers at Raiders. I agree with you one hundred percent on my favorite game. It's definitely that uh, Chargers Raiders game. I think both defenses are not good. 
and I don't, I don't want to say we'll see a similar score to Seahawks Raiders this week because what was that, 40 to 34? That's a lot of points, mm-hmm. but I think it can be similar. And then the other one would be Jaguars-Lions. I love the Lions at home in the Dome. It reminds me, on obviously a much smaller scale, but to like what Drew Brees was at home in the past, where like when he's on the road, it's iffy, mm-hmm. but when these guys are at home in the controlled environment, you play them in DFS because they always come through for a higher value. I totally agree with that. I, I think that Lions-Jags game is going to – I'm curious. You know, I'm looking at these games. I think Jags-Lions just by default has to be third in line because people just are going to want – unless the weather is a big concern, which I don't think it will be in Cincinnati, people are not going to be able to stay away from Chiefs-Bengals. And I think no. Chargers-Raiders is going to be that second-place game. I could be wrong there because, no, I, it, it will be that second-place game. And I think Jags-Lions will be right behind that. But let's just go ahead and, and – um, Zach and Frank, you guys can pull up the the quarterbacks here. And let me just go through some that jump out at me. For those of you that don't uh, regularly watch this show, I don't discuss during our early look every single quarterback. I just kind of point out a few guys that I'm, you know, more likely interested in going into our game by game preview, which again will be five o'clock on Thursday with Mike McClure. Um, I mean, it's it's hard not to start out at the top here. So Patrick Mahomes, 8,300, Kansas City at Cincinnati. I think there's a lot of ways you can slice this. I think Mahomes to Kelsey is, is kind of an obvious one, but you know, Mahomes has sort of been on another planet and, and it's going to be an expensive stack if you want to go this route, which is why I'm a little shy to do it. I don't think there's a lot of reliable targets beyond Travis Kelsey. I mean, Juju didn't really, wasn't super involved last game coming off a concussion, but you know, Sky Moore is starting to get a few more reps. Justin Watson getting a few more reps MVS still not getting much. I, I, I feel like if you're going to stack this game, it has to be Mahomes to Kelsey. But the three quarter, and we can get off this game log, the three quarterbacks I think I like the most that are 7K and above Elijah are Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, I think is interesting at home against Tennessee, and Justin Herbert at Vegas. But of those three, it's Justin Herbert for me. What say you on those three quarterbacks, or is, is Justin Herbert just the play for you? Definitely agree on Herbert. I'm going to have at least one lineup, if not two. I usually do five lineups a week. I have at least one, if not two, with Herbert. Hurts and Mahomes, they're a little expensive. I like, we'll get to the running backs. I like some of the expensive running backs this week. This week. Mm-hmm. So I think saving even that, you know, it's 1100 or 800 going to Herbert from Hurts or Mahomes or even one of the really cheap quarterbacks, I think it's going to come really in handy this week. Absolutely. And going down to that sort of 6,900 and below range, Certainly Joe Burrow is interesting. I mean, obviously we have to wait and see what happens with Jamar Chase and, and uh, you know, whether he's going to be back there. But uh, if he's back, if Jamar Chase is back, it's hard not to justify having a lineup with Joe Burrow because this Kansas City secondary can absolutely get exposed. And if you have Jamar Chase, you know, running a, at least somewhat close to a full complement of, of snaps with T. Higgins, who has just been dominant, and Tyler Boyd and Hayden Hurst, I think this is going to be a hard offense to stop. I don't expect Joe Mixon back in this game. It could be a little bit more Samaj P. Ryan, but we'll have to wait and see. Again, it's only Tuesday. Tua at 6,700 is obviously very, very interesting. Um, that That's another game where I want to monitor the weather. I don't think even this Niners defense, as much respect as they're getting, and I, and I know they can get after the quarterback, but Tua gets it out real quick. And, and Elijah, I'm curious your, your sort of opinion here. We know you like Justin Herbert. Is Tua on your – like you said, you only make five lineups. It sounds like a Mike McClure special where you're just yeah. you know kind of focused in, which, which I think is great because the more you sort of diversify your portfolio and have different variations of lineups, the more you're just kind of watering down your money a little bit. But um, 
Tua to like, let's say Tyreek or Tua to Waddle seems like it's very much in play, even this week at San Francisco. Is he on your radar in terms of making it into one of those five lineups? Probably not. I'm just a little scared mm-hmm. of San Francisco's defense. I think they're really good. Their secondary can definitely be exposed. Since Emmanuel Mosley got hurt, what, five, six weeks ago, they have not mm-hmm. been as good. But their front seven's really good. And Teron Armstead, their star left tackle, he's not going to play. So I, I'm concerned about Nick Bosa coming off that edge. I'm a little worried. I just, I think there's too many good values in, like this is the mid-range. I think there's too many good values in the low range this week, which is always scary, but. So let's get to that because I have three guys in particular. If we could go to like, let's say, and I'm not going to, like, I'm not playing Deshaun Watson, by the way, at 6,500. Yeah. So we can just get right past that. If we can go to 6,100 and below, um, you know, I'm not playing Geno Smith at the Rams. That game's just going to be a, a super slow game. I'm, I'm not interested there. But Trevor Lawrence, 5,900 at Detroit. I, I certainly, th- there's plenty of merit to that. Derek Carr, again, at home versus the Los Angeles Chargers at 5,600. I think there's, I think he's 100 less than he was last week. And I think the game situation is is just as good, if not better, against the Chargers secondary. So I, I really like Derek Carr. And then there's one more in that 5K, which, I mean, Mike White? At 5,400, I mean, that's somebody to consider. Jordan Love, we don't know what's happening with Aaron Rodgers yet. So I think if Aaron Rodgers is sitting, I think Jordan Love is interesting. I think you could pair him with a guy like Christian Watson and just keep your fingers crossed that he that those guys make value. But between uh, Trevor, Lawrence, Derek Carr, and Mike White, any interest in any of those guys? The first two for sure. Lawrence and or, yeah, Lawrence and Carr, definitely. Um, yeah. And Derek Goff, who's this cheaper than Mike White, actually. Good point. Um, I think that's a really good one. And then the last cheap guy besides Love, I'm interested a little in Kenny Pickett. I'm, it might just be that it's better to play the weapons in that game against Atlanta's defense, maybe as like a really getting different tournament lineup. But I think that the other the other three cheap guys, Goff, Love if he plays, and Lawrence, I think are definitely the ones that I'm going to be having in a lineup. Yeah, I absolutely understand the picket play. I think what would end up getting me off of picket is just knowing that Derek Carr and Trevor Lawrence are sort of at least in the same, yeah. you know, hemisphere price-wise, particularly Derek Carr. But Kenny Pickett makes, I mean, Kenny Pickett could really feast on this Atlanta secondary. I mean, that that completely makes sense at, at 5,200. Um, okay, we can move on. I mean, Terrell Haneke's 5,100. I'm just, I don't, you know, I'd, I'd rather play, you know, what what Kenny Pickett probably than, yeah. than Taylor Haneke against the Giants. Um Let's move on to running backs then. And at the running back position, listen, at, at the top, you no know, surprises here who I like. It's Austin Eckler at 8,500. Listen, I, I don't know what's going on with Christian McCaffrey. I don't think he's going to get a full complement of snaps at home against Miami. He had some sort of knee irritation uh, issue. It looks like he's fine. But, you know, this running back situation for San Francisco is really spotty because we're not 100% sure what's going on with CMC. We know Elijah Mitchell is going to be out. We're not sure if it's going to be Tyrion Divas Price that's going to be the complement to CMC, or if CMC's out, if it's if it's TDP, or if it's Tevin Coleman, or if it's Jordan Mason. I think a lot of people are speculating that it's Jordan Mason, and I don't really think that's going to be the case. I think it could be more Tevin Coleman than anything. These guys are in that 4K range. Um, Tevin Coleman's 4K, TDP's 4K, and I believe Jordan Mason is 4,500. At the top here, though. It's really just Austin Eckler that I like, Elijah. I, I don't like Josh Jacobs. I think I, I want to monitor him because it's hard to argue against him at, at 7,900. But on this page that we're seeing here, and if you're watching us on YouTube, you can see from Christian McCaffrey down to Joe Mixon, I don't see anybody I like other than Eckler. Well, 
Nick Chubb as well, obviously. Yeah. So Eckler, <laughs> Eckler and Nick Chubb. Other than that, do you like anybody? So yeah, Eckler, just be on Eckler real quick. Agree. They have the highest, the Raiders have the highest target per route run rate to running backs. I think Eckler might be in all five of my lineups, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, Derek Henry, I'm interested in if Jordan Davis doesn't play for the Eagles because their run defense without him, even with signing and Sue and then Paul Joseph, it has been really suspect and at yeah. times really poor. Um, the Packers were running all, they had to abandon the run because they got down, but they were running all over the Eagles early in that game. So it might be that they start getting down by a little too much, but I trust the Titans defense to keep this game lower scoring ish. Maybe it's, you know, a 24, 21 type game where it's at least close. So I think Derrick Henry in those, in those games where they remain competitive, Derrick Henry usually has a huge game. So I'm in on Derrick Henry. If Jordan Davis is still out for the Eagles. Yeah. And I think Jordan Davis still will be out that that's my, again, it's just a Tuesday, but my guess is he's out another week and maybe comes back in week 14. But again, I'm, I'm speculating at this point. And yeah, I don't know that Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue have really sort of plugged that hole. And I think Derrick Henry ends up being sneaky to some degree because people will either pay down to like Nick Chubb or Josh Jacobs, or they'll pay up to Austin Eckler, but they're probably not going to want to pay up for both Derrick Henry and one of those guys I just mentioned. So I think that makes Derrick Henry kind of a guy that got, gets squeezed out because of, of, of uh, some of the other people that that people are gonna, or some of the other players that people are going to like at the running back position. As we scroll down, you know, I mentioned Josh Jacobs. If we go to like maybe the sixty four hundred range, I I want to just mention Travis Etienne because if he is healthy and and for me, what I'm going to determine health on is if he gets a full practice in at some point this week, and then maybe has another full practice. The, the following day, this foot injury was like a very mysterious thing that kept him out of the game. It doesn't seem like a big deal. And for the record, I don't think it's the same foot where he had the less Frank uh, issue. So this is a different foot. It's not, it's not an aggravation of a, of a previous injury or anything like that. Um, at 6,400, if people are going to be worried to play him, uh, I'm happy to play him at Detroit. So that that's a guy that, that I, I'm definitely going to be on. If I can see at least one full practice, um, hopefully maybe before our Thursday show, he, he logs one of those in. Uh, other than that, it, I'm really kind of going down to the to the value range. I don't think I want to play Damian Pierce at home against Cleveland, although I think that's a consideration because Cleveland's rush defense is just that bad. Um, Najee is it looks like he's a little banged up at, at Atlanta, so yeah. I'm not considering him. And then I, I think at that point I, I get down to some, you know, if we could scroll down to like the 5K range, I think we get down to some potential value that might open up. If we start to hear that some of these running backs are out, like if Travis Etienne for some reason is out, I mean, Jamichael Hasty might might be a guy to consider. Maybe James Robinson, probably probably Jamichael Hasty. If we hear more news about Christian McCaffrey being limited, some of those running backs I mentioned, Tevin Coleman, for example, uh, might be interesting. I think Jerick McKinnon at forty five hundred is interesting, but I was a little discouraged knowing that. You know, I thought it was going to be just Isaiah Pacheco and McKinnon last game. Ronald Jones was on the field a little bit more than made me comfortable. So, I, you know, but McKinnon in a game, especially if Kansas City's playing from behind, which is certainly possible in this game, that's where McKinnon really shines. So at 4,500, I think that's a really cheap piece you can get from this game. Let's say you're doing that expensive Mahomes-Kelsey stack where you throw in McKinnon as well. Then you bring, you you know, you bring it back with some Cincinnati guys too. Um, That could make the stack work. Uh, And I think McKinnon could absolutely get there. Elijah, any thoughts on maybe some of these running backs that are in maybe a a quote air quotes, like value position, maybe like in the 5k range or 4k range. There's a couple. 
um, Latavius Murray, he's not he's not that intriguing. I think he might be five thousand ish. Um, maybe he's more expensive than I thought. Fifty three hundred, so a little a little more expensive, but. He got 80 plus percent of the snaps. Mike Boone might be back. It's a little, it's, it's, it's maybe like a last piece that is not appealing, but he might get the job done with 12, 15 points. If he scores a mm-hmm. touchdown. Um, I think though, besides that, it's injuries. It's like Ty Johnson. If maybe if Michael Carter's out, if you need a guy who might catch some passes, uh, Jermichael Hasty, like you mentioned, that's why I think, as I mentioned earlier, I'm probably paying up because I don't love this value range, but I think there's a lot more value receivers that I like. So I think running back's probably where I'm going to pay up this week. Okay. And, you know, it, it's funny because that's what SWA 31 did, right? They mm-hmm. paid up for, you know, that that expensive uh, Austin Eckler, Justin Herbert stack. And I think uh, if memory serves, they had an expensive running back in there and then they paid down for guys like Garrett Wilson and it, it completely worked out. So, you know, it's, it's interesting because some of those like quote punt receivers, like in like the, you know, I remember last year I, I'd recommend like a 3,500 or 3,400 guy, be like, yeah. Oh, this is his game. And it's like, well, <laughs> they're 3,400 for a reason. But hey, I, I've noticed it, w- when you get to like the 40 between the 4,100 and like 5,100 range this year, there's been a lot. And Garrett Wilson's a really good example of that last week. There's a lot of guys where there's a ton of meat on the bone, like really talented receivers. So that might be the build, Elijah, that, you know, to, to pay up at running back. Maybe you pay up with your stack or at least at, at, at the quarterback position with your stack. And you find that those value receivers because we know that that's workable. I'm, I'm looking at the um, I'm looking at the chat right now. Everybody, uh, plenty of people watching uh, only like 40 ish likes. So if you haven't hit the like button, please do that. Now I'm looking at somebody who said Shad, he says, I finished 19th in the contest. LOL. Does that mean you were right outside the money? I think top 20 get paid. So Shad, good job there. Uh, let's see. Afternoon slates will be bangers. Dwayne Austin. You're right. The afternoon slate is loaded. When we do our game by game preview, I mean, we're going to spend, we're going to skip through some of those one o'clock games and we're going to spend a lot of time on the four o'clock games because there are some where we really need to be focused, not just on the players. And Elijah, I know you're, you're, you know, cause you're successful at this, this DFS game. It's all about roster construction, right. And, yeah. and, you know, playing some chalk, but like getting different and, you know, figuring out a way to maximize the points from a game as opposed to just the points from a player. So I'm excited to do that. We can move on to the wide receivers because it sounds like there might be some value. I'm certainly staring at some value at the wide receiver yeah. position that I'm excited to talk about, but as usual, let's start at the top with some of the guys that I'm interested in, you know, I can't like everybody here, right? These guys are too expensive. So I'm not just going to be like, Oh, I love Justin Jefferson. I love Tyree kill. I love Devonte Adams. I love Jamar chase. If he's back, but of these guys at the top on this screen right now, and for those of you that are listening, we're talking the 7,200 to 8,900 range. I do like Tyree kill. However, I also like the discount to Jalen Waddle. I think I'd prefer to play the discount there in, unless unless Tyreek Hill is just so low owned that I just can't resist it and I, I end up having to pay up for him. But I am very happy to go right back to Devontae Adams. So uh, uh, like for everybody on here, like of all the receivers on here, I think Devontae Adams is, is my favorite play. And of course, I like Tyreek Hill. I just don't know that I'm going to get there with him. I like Jalen Waddle. I like T. Higgins. Everybody else on this list, I think I'm just going to end up being a pass on. Justin Jefferson, I'll end up being a pass on him against the Jets. A.J. Brown, pass on him. Um, Jamar Chase, if he's back, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to pass on Jamar Chase. If anything, I'm hoping that might open things up for T. Higgins, and it might get me a little bit more interested in a Burrow to Higgins stack. But 
that's where I'm at on sort of this high end list. Any of these receivers appealing to you, Elijah? Yeah. Um, Devonta Adams agree. Can't go wrong there. I think I saw a fantasy football today tweeted just that he has the most fantasy points over the last four weeks. So you can't go wrong. Yeah. Um, I will disagree on AJ Brown. I think the, the Titans, the way you beat the Titans is by throwing and especially throwing over the top. And he, he can do that. He can either run over the top or break tackles in the open field. It's a revenge game, which is always fun. Oh, that's true. And yeah. So I might, I don't love him, but I think he'll be in one or two lineups if I can afford him. And I agree totally on the T Higgins. I hope Chase plays so that T Higgins can be the play. Jacob Gibbs, who friend of the show, I think he's been on the show, definitely in the mm-hmm. fantasy football today ecosystem. He always has these great stats on how when they're both on the field for their careers, T Higgins just outplays Jamar Chase statistically. So I always am on the T Higgins over Jamar Chase because he's always cheaper and he generally outplays them when they're both on the field. Yeah, and it's it's outplays is kind of a loaded word, right? Because right. It, it sometimes it's just that the coverage is just kind of swayed over to Jamar Chase because they're, they're more worried about Jamar beating you deep or just beating you in general than T Higgins. It's kind of like pick your poison type situation. But no, I totally agree with you. I think, you know, T Higgins is one of those guys. He's in an almost fortunate slash unfortunate position because it's fortunate because you got a guy like Jamar Chase who gets maybe a little bit more attention than you do, which, which frees things up for you. But the, the, the unfortunate thing is, well, T Higgins is never going to be considered a superstar Mm -hmm. with Jamar Chase on the field. I don't know whether T Higgins really cares whether he's considered a superstar or not. I think people know that, you know, T Higgins is a very good receiver, but you put T Higgins on, Oh, I don't know the green Bay Packers because by the way, they could have drafted T Higgins <laughs> yep. instead of Jordan love and probably gone to the super bowl the next year. Cause they were just a game away from going to it the year prior. But, you know, I, I think that's the type of setup where if you have T Higgins on the Packers, forget about it. It's Devonte Adams show all over again. And imagine if you keep Devonte Adams and you have T Higgins and, and a healthy Aaron Rodgers. I mean, a team with Aaron Jones and company and a, Decent defense would have been unstoppable. But anyway, um, yep. I, I digress there. As we go down to sort of that um, that sort of middle 7K, 6K range, hard to – I mean, Amon Ram, he's, he's going to be one of the highest owned guys on this slate, right? I mean, at 7,100, how can you steer clear from Amon Ram at this point? We see it up here at the game log. <laughs> he's been so efficient. The only thing he hasn't been doing is getting in the end zone, which he finally did against Buffalo. This is a guy who could have a two-touchdown game at any given moment. And we know he's getting the volume. Ten targets, eight targets, 11 targets, nine targets, ten targets. And that's coming off of an injury. So, like, he's he has just been an absolute monster. And those targets, by the way, he's been very – with the exception of one game, he's been extremely efficient with those targets. And I think more touchdown regression to the mean is coming, meaning that he's actually going to be landing in the end zone uh, more often than not. Uh, I, I'm not really suggesting he's going to be one of like the highest owned uh, receiver on the slate, but Elijah hard to get away from him. Right. Yeah, definitely agree. He's I, I want to have a lineup at least one, if not two, he's going to be in my stack lineup with golf and he might just be the bring back in the lineup with Lauren. So definitely a guy that I want. He's just, he, his, his, his target statistics since uh, Hawkinson frustrated are just off the charts. Exactly. Off the charts. Uh, let's Before we get to the real value at the receiver position, let me just talk about a few other receivers I like. I think I'll be willing to go back to Keenan Allen at 6,500. 
I, th I think it's weird that he got a price increase. I believe he was 6,100 last week. And, you know, it's not like pull up his game log. It's not like he had an amazing game. I mean, interestingly, DeAndre Carter was the one that I think was the leading target getter for the Chargers. You know, five of seven for 49 and a touch. That's good. You know, it's not superstar good, but that that's solid. And, and against the Raiders, I expect him to do even better. I just think it's weird that his price went up. So, you know, maybe that, that'll – get me off of him a little bit if I don't want to pay that much. But I do like Keenan again at Vegas, Christian Kirk at Detroit, hard not to like him. Um, Josh Palmer at Vegas at 5,600. You're getting a 900 discount off of, off of Keenan Allen. And we know all of those guys can survive that game. You know, Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, and DeAndre Carter, even Gerald Everett got in, into the mix a little bit as much as Justin Herbert is passing, which is why, by the way, I had Justin Herbert as my cash quarterback and I'll probably have him as my cash quarterback this week as well. He's, I don't care about the rushing volume when I know you're passing it that much. And so I, I just, against Vegas, I think he's going to be, I think Herbert's going to be very efficient, passing it to all those receivers I mentioned, plus Austin Eckler. I think the floor for uh, Justin Herbert is very high, and I think the ceiling is also very, very high. So especially with the defense, that is that is pretty porous at this point. Um, any of those receivers I mentioned that you like, maybe in that 6 or 5K range, and is there anybody else that that I missed that you're definitely on? Um. In terms of disliking Keenan, I just don't like Keenan Allen that much. Yeah, I think to fair. your point, I like the cheaper guys, and I'm going to stack with Eckler because I think Eckler is the real number one receiver. Mm -hmm. um, looking at my notes, Christian Kirk, I think not just in he's 6300, not just in stacks with that game. I think he's a good kind of solo piece or like a skinny stack with him in Amon Ra. Mm -hmm. um, Tyler Lockett, he is always so cheap. He's six thousand. He's just too cheap, and I, that's a guy that is always like. Whenever I have like a lineup spot and I just need like a solo play from a game, Tyler Lockett is generally a guy I throw in because he's just too cheap for what he brings you. Um, yeah. And Christian Watson, the last one. Um, <clears throat> I think regardless of who the quarterback is, he is 5,200. He's mm -hmm. just been okay. playing so well. He can, regardless of who the quarterback is, and I even think that if Jordan Love is the quarterback, he will be less rostered than maybe he should be. Yeah, no, fifty two hundred is a, is is a great, especially against Chicago. I mean, that he could absolutely have a have a great game at fifty two hundred. So I, I like yeah, the I Christian think, Watson play quite a bit. I think the Bears are the worst defense in the league with the guys after once they traded away Roquan Smith, Robert Quinn, and they lost Eddie Jackson this week. That's Not right. That he's special, but just another starter. I think they are the worst defense in the league. So definitely yeah. a team to play against. Eddie Jackson on IR. He'll be out for the season. Um, who else? Darnell Mooney on IR. The, 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 actually, the receivers for Chicago, it's, that's a very interesting setup because they got a lot of injuries. It might be like the Byron Pringle show. We'll, we'll have to kind of wait and see on the injury reports there. But speaking of Byron Pringle, let's talk about some of these low-end receivers, maybe below 5K. And I'll just, I'll just bounce it to you. I've got at least two guys I really like, maybe a third guy that could enter the mix. Um, any of these sort of cheap receivers that are going to be fitting into some of these main lineups of yours? I have guys even cheaper than this. Guys cheaper than lower than 4K that I really like. Um, Quez Watkins has three straight games with 11 or more points. He has 11 targets over that span, so that's not huge. But those are the three games where Dallas Goddard either was hurt or like got hurt in the game or has been playing. So he's seen at least a little uptick in targets. Um, if you're playing a Hurts lineup, it's a good way to get cheap with the expensive Hertz. Um, Richie James, 3,500. Mm -hmm. The Washington Commanders are really bad against the slot. I'm pretty sure the worst against the slot. And Richie James plays 75% of his snaps in the slot. So 
Alameda Zacchaeus, who plays, I think, like 40-something percent of his slot snaps in the slot, which is probably more that Kyle Pitts is out. He just went five for 91 So yeah. against them. So Richie James going to be in multiple lineups. I am a Giants fan, um, but not biased, backed up statistically. Um, <laughs> Elijah Moore, Kendall Hinton, another kind of like name, like not big names, not guys who got a ton of targets, but I think they can pay off their price with just, you know, four catches for 40 yards. You're you're not they're not hurting you and that's not a high bar to cross and then if Debo Samuel's out Jawan Jennings mm-hmm. is 3300 I think yeah he had a bigger role with Debo hurt last week yeah and I wonder about Debo my, my understanding at this point is that he's going to be fine but you're right yeah. about Jawan Jennings if, if Debo is out Jawan gets a lot of really like high-end targets too high value red zone time we saw it last week obviously but that that's not a first for him. Obviously, the target share needs to go up. But to your point, without Debo, uh, that would be super helpful for uh, rostering a very inexpensive Juwan Jennings. Guys like um, Zay Jones at forty nine hundred or DeAndre Carter at thirty nine hundred. Either of those two guys on your radar? Both of them for sure. Zay Jones, especially in games where Trevor Lawrence needs to throw a lot, Zay Jones gets not just like a healthy amount of targets, like seven, eight. He gets like eleven, twelve. So he's he's a guy you want. I think if you want a cheap piece of that game, that's the guy to go to. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I definitely, you know, it's what's interesting about Zay is it, to me, if you're playing Zay Jones, you, you're also playing the the game script that that Vegas is is telling you is going to happen. Like just the uh, Detroit's going to put some pressure on the Jacksonville Jack, which I fully expect, by the way. And you almost hope that's in the passing game because I, I don't think I'm going to get around to touchdown monster jamal williams i I might be maybe maybe i'll change my mind actually but obviously deandre swift justin jackson they're not really in the conversation so you know it it almost lends itself to maybe having a jared goff stack which i know sounds totally gross but you have jared goff to you know who obviously amon ross st brown and then you bring it back with you know christian kirk and zay jones i guess you don't want to do that because then you'd be on the trevor side of the stack but either or i mean that that could be a really sort of cost effective stack and it it would allow you to really pay up at a lot of different places, whether you're playing yeah. up for Derrick Henry or Nick Chubb or, or some of those high-end running backs that not a lot of people are going to be able to put in to one singular lineup. Yeah, and I think Jared Goff is probably a top 10, if not higher, quarterback on the slate because we lose Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. So we lose Connor Murray, who's on a bye. So we, there's not – he might just be a top 10 quarterback on the slate. I think Lawrence definitely is. So yeah. I, I, don't, I don't hate either stack. I, I like either stack there, and that means getting pieces of that game. And it's a lot – it's the it's the the cheaper way to get pieces of a game that you think will have a high total versus Kansas City and Cincinnati, which people I think generally most pieces in that game are pretty expensive, or you don't know their role, like with a Sky Moore or Justin Watson. Like they could be four four fifty in a touchdown, or they could be two for six and you don't both are equally as likely. So Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you could, I mean, the the way this slate is going with some of the value at receiver too, especially if you play guys like Zay Jones, I mean, you you could get away with them, I think, and we'll have to see on the game by game preview on Thursday. Again, that's at five o'clock, but I think you could get away with the Mahomes Kelsey stack with maybe a T Higgins run back and then get Zay Jones, get it like a skinny stack going Zay Jones, Amon Ross St. Brown. And then throw in at the flex position one other value receiver, like really low end. One of the guys you talked about, who was the thirty three hundred? Richie was it Richie James? That was Richie five hundred. Richie James is thirty five hundred. Yep. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be Richie James. It could be you know Juwan. It could be you know if 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 you fit him in uh, a like a low end 
receiver at your flex, I, I think you could make that lineup work, especially with a low-end defense as well. So um, something to consider there. Let's go to, speaking of Travis Kelsey, before we get out of here, let's go to the tight ends. Um, there's not a lot that I, I was just super happy about. I don't think there's a ton of value quite yet. There's obviously at the tight end position, you know, you're speculating on tight end in large part with guys like even like David Njoku, Pat Fryermuth, I think is interesting at 4,300, um, you know, Cole Komet with or without Justin Fields on, on, on the field. I think he's okay, but it's, it's the Travis Kelsey show. I think for a lot of people at 7,900, it's a high price to pay, but in this high end range, there's not a lot of guys I love. What say you on that though? Is there, is there anybody you're willing to pay up for or pay maybe more than 4,500 for other than Travis Kelsey? Other than Travis Kelsey, probably not. Cause yeah, probably Andrews, maybe one lineup, but just to, just to like have him, but I don't think any of the higher price guys, Kelsey though, he's 7,900. He's cheaper than like the first five or six receivers. And he's probably better than them. He scored more fantasy points than most of them. So I, that's Mike brings it up all the time. And I love the philosophy of going two tight ends. Mm-hmm. Um, Travis Kelsey is a guy that I want it. It might be hard with paying up for running back. So that's where, my favorite value comes in, which is Pat Fryermuth. Mm-hmm. Um, but even I think in some lineups, I will have two tight ends with Kelsey and Fryermuth. And, uh, you know, Hayden Hurst hasn't exactly blown the doors off of anybody, but given that people want to get pieces of that game, that, that could be, oh, actually, last week I'm looking at it. I'm looking at the game log. It was a little bit better than I remember. Nine targets. I, I didn't realize yeah. that Hayden Hurst had nine targets last week. Caught six and nine for 57 yards, didn't find his way into the end zone. The, the games prior to that, the, the targets were down a little bit. He caught two of the three the game before that, five of five the game before that, four of four the game before that. So the efficiency is there for Hurst, and I think that's another sort of cheap piece you can maybe combine into a a, a stack of that Kansas uh, City-Cincinnati game. But I agree with you on Pat Frymuth. And and I think Foster Moreau probably deserves one more chance. I mean, he was really underwhelming. He dropped a couple balls that maybe he shouldn't have. It should have been a better game, but he's all they got, really. I I mean, obviously, Mac Hollins is in this conversation, too. But it's it's Mac Hollins, it's Devontae Adams. And then, you know, Foster Moreau is the next man up in terms of the, the, the receiving, as far as the receiving is concerned. Um, the thing that bothers me about Mark Andrews is how good Josh Oliver looked. And if Isaiah Likely is back, does that muddle things up even more? I mean, Mark Andrews is always going to be the alpha receiver on that team. He had a bad game, but even if he catches that touchdown, you're still not getting the Mark Andrews that, you, that you'd hoped with Josh Oliver getting so many high-value touches. So I just think that's an interesting sort of wrench to throw in there when it comes to uh, – to Mark Andrews. Any other tight ends that we missed, Elijah, that you're on? I know you mentioned Fryermuth and Kelsey. Any, anybody else that you're interested in? Yep. Um, Fryermuth, I'm actually, I'll say one thing on Fryermuth. I'm actually mm-hmm. happy that, not happy, but encouraged that he wasn't great against uh, last night against Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. He plays more like a receiver since they traded Chase Claypool. Indy is great. I think they allow the fewest fantasy points to receivers. Atlanta allows like the most. So Fryermuth, love him, but cheaper than him, other guys. Najoku, Sure, why not? He's better than a touchdown or bus guy. Like I, I think Hurst and Morrow are kind of touchdown. Like you're not going to be very happy with them if they don't score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. But I think Najoku, at least what we saw early in the year, and now with Sean Watson back, has the chance to be better than that. He had a couple seventy-yard games, I think, earlier in the year. And then if he's back, Daniel Bellinger for the Giants. Mm. He has a role in the offense, one hundred percent. It's just a question of if he plays coming off the. I think it was a fractured orbital. That's right. If he plays, if he plays, he's a guy that I want just because he's 3,200. Yeah, that's right. And he, 
he has a role and they throw to him. It might only be a three or four catch type of role or like five targets, but they throw to him towards the end zone and he will be involved. So for that price, he doesn't need to do much to, to pay it off. I totally agree with you. I don't know if I'll end up getting there on Bellinger. I, I may end up just paying up for, for guys like Fryermuth. But you're right. If he has if he has a full complement of snaps at 3,200, it's not going to take much. And, and da- like, that's going to be one of the few reliable targets that, that Daniel Jones actually has at, at his disposal. And that, you know what's funny? I'm, I'm glad you brought up Bellinger. And by the way, I'm so glad he's healthy because yeah. there was a moment there where I was like, uh, we're not going to see him the rest of the season. And this is like, this seems like a, an injury that could affect his vision like the rest of his life. And it doesn't mm-hmm. look like that's the case. So that's awesome. I'm shocked that he's back. Honestly, I kind of thought yeah. he was just done for the season. So yeah, it's, it's good that he's back. And then I, in terms of punt tight ends, I didn't really like anyone that was like below 3000 Logan Thomas. Eh. Like, cause it's the giants the Giants defense is so beat up and they're not really, they're getting some reinforcements this week, but it's not on the defensive side. It's actually on the offensive side potentially. So mm-hmm. maybe Logan Thomas, he was bad this past week, but the week before he had six targets, I think. It's kind of it's a it's a hit or miss type role. So I, yeah. I, I'm definitely going to be paying either if not for Fryermuth in the mid range, it's going to be a lot of Kelsey. Yeah, I think if you want to go down to that sort of that Bellinger range, I think there's at, at least a couple guys to consider. Tyler Conklin at 3100. It's a pretty low price and it's a pretty good matchup at Minnesota. Greg Dulcich, I haven't really been a part of the Greg Dulcich experience, and he didn't have a great game last week. But And it's Russell Wilson, hard to lean on. But I, I feel like I need to point out his price is 3400 um, at Baltimore. It's it's not the best matchup, but it's not the worst mat- matchup either. But I, I do think Tyler Conklin at 3100 maybe that's a little a little bit of an underpriced there. Maybe he should be like in that 3400 range. He, he had a pretty nice game. I think he had he caught three of three for 50 yards uh, last week. So just something to – something to consider there, but I agree with you, you know, playing Kelsey with the second tight end, everybody needs to understand what Kelsey is. He's a receiver disguised as a tight end. So you're not actually playing two tight ends. You shouldn't think of it that way. You're playing one of the best receivers in the league. And and that person's name is Travis Kelsey. All right. So let me ask you before I let you go, Elijah, because I'm a commanders fan. We know we have Zach Brooke helping us out with the producing and he's a commanders fan, just like myself. Mm -hmm. You're a Giants fan. We've got Frank back there, too, who is a Jets fan, which yep. is a little closer to the Giants. Right? Maybe that's more of a rivalry than anything. But two of the next three games between these two teams that right now are sitting in wildcard spots or at least sitting in playoff spots, uh, two of the next three games are against each other. So we play you twice in the next three yep. weeks. Uh, how do you think that's going to turn out? And do you think the Giants are ultimately going to be one of those teams, one of those seven teams that fall into the playoffs? I'll do the second question first. I do think the Giants can make the playoffs. I think 10 wins get you in, and I see three winnable games, but I don't think they're – it's it's not going to be easy. I am hopeful for a split between the Giants and Washington. Washington is playing so well. Their defense is finally clicking after it looked really bad early in the year, and Chase Young is going to be back. So it's scary. Uh, and I think Heineke is a – he's definitely a gunslinger, but he does a good job of managing the game where he's not – he's never – he doesn't get too out of control. And I don't think he loses you games, which I think Wentz kind of was early in the year. So I'm hopeful for a split. I think this this first game I think for the Giants is at home, but they'll be a lot healthier in the second game. So hopefully one of those ends up with, with kind of going one and one. And then maybe the Giants can beat the Colts later in the year and sneak out one more game, maybe week 18 
against the Eagles, who might not need the game to get into the playoffs. So I think the whole NFC East is going to make the playoffs. I don't really think the NFC is is set up for these other teams to make it. Maybe uh, whoever doesn't win the NFC West between Seattle and San Francisco can sneak in, but. Yeah, I think that's that's the only one I'm fear fearful of at this moment is Seattle. I mean, San Francisco is going to win that division. They're going to win. Yeah. So it's it just comes down to because Seattle, I think, is a is a decent team, but they might be kind of hitting hitting they're the, hitting the, the bad end of it. Yeah, I think their I think their their lack of talent is catching up to them now because their defense has not looked, and they have a lot of rookies too. Their their defense has not looked great the last couple of weeks. What's undersold about the Seattle Seahawks is their general management their their drafting oh, like yeah. they they got two young kids on the offensive line one in the first round one in the third round they got a, a defensive back that's really shining like they they have really done really really well with their draft picks and it's not just this year so i think some of these pieces we don't even see because when people don't pay attention to offensive line and things of that nature but i do think this is a team that's built to like at least compete for the next several years even with geno smith as their quarterback the one thing i'll say about taylor heineke is he can lose you games but that's okay because he can win, <laughs> because he can win you games and with right. carson wentz there was really no faith that he could come back and win you a game if you were down seven or more but taylor heineke even though they haven't been down a lot he is a guy that i think inspires that whole team on both sides of the ball that like hey if we're down we, we can win this game um i yep. think as, as it pertains to the giants i think it's such a good matchup for washington because they don't match up with a lot of teams very well because their secondary is so bad but when you have daniel jones as your quarterback and that's not a knock on him but and you don't have a healthy wide receiver core well now you can't really expose washington for the huge advantage that you would otherwise have if you had a really solid healthy receivers and a really great quarterback so i think washington's run defense and just general pass rush i think could really get after daniel jones in these two games and if Obviously, if Washington wins both, uh, which I think they'll split, but if they win both, um, Washington's headed to the playoffs. I think. I think yeah. really, it come, It's it's as simple as that. Um, they could lose a couple more games, and as long as you you knock New York down, you're you're going to be good to go. All right. Well, hopefully, Elijah, in the spirit of of you coming onto the show and you donating to St. Jude, you and Glenn, uh, your father, uh, hopefully, we split. I would listen. I'm a Commanders <laughs> fan. I don't, I'm not asking for much. I know we're on this like little hot streak, but let's be real. Like it's still the Washington Commanders. So I'm hoping for a split, and then we can find out maybe in Week 17 who's going to make the playoffs, or was it Week 18? Now I don't even know anymore. Um, yeah. Who's going to make the playoffs, <laughs> and who isn't going to make the playoffs? But Elijah, any any final words? Um, first of all, I, I, I genuinely want to thank you for coming onto the show. I genuinely want to thank you for your donation to St. Jude. And everybody listening, please be aware that you can always donate to St. Jude right now, tomorrow, five minutes from now. But CBS does a really good job during uh, the draft-a-thon, which, again, we always have. And I believe it's late August, early September, where you have an opportunity to not only give to St. Jude, but to also bid on certain things that, that Elijah and Glenn uh, were nice enough to bid on as well. But with all of that said, um, Elijah, I do want to thank you for that. Any any final words before we uh, we exit the Tuesday uh, solo pod? I want to thank you guys as well for for hosting the kind of the, the donation piece of it and providing such a great experience. I am so happy to have been here. It's great. I spend, as you can tell by some of the stats I pulled out, I hope, um, spend a lot of my time researching this stuff, listening to Fantasy Football Today and Fantasy Football Today DFS. So it was great to be able to share my wealth of knowledge with others. And uh, thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, Elijah, you definitely have a wealth of knowledge. And, and I'm so glad you mentioned Jacob Gibbs, too, because 
Um, for those that are subscribed to Sportsline, Jacob Gibbs is—he's got his info just littered all. I mean, he, but Jacob Gibbs, you follow him on Twitter, you can get a lot of that info, by the yeah. way. Um, but but the point is, is um, there's a lot of guys at Fantasy Football Today at Sportsline at Fantasy Football Today DFS that do do a lot of hard work. And, and Elijah, when we hear you dropping like some of the stats that are like at this point in your life and your fantasy life have come so natural to you, it, to me, it, it just tells the story of like a lot of that hard work behind the scenes paying off so and, and i see your dad in the chat he says thanks see i love your picks too on the early edge on fridays which i do a prop show with uh prop stars dave richard and jonathan coachman on that so everybody thanks for thanks for all your support elijah thanks for your support for now this is the end of the air quote solo pod we'll see you on thursday for our game by game preview it'll be me and mike before that'll be at five o'clock we want everybody live in the chat hitting that like button but for now this is the solo pod it's tuesday we'll see you on thursday Yes, Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.